like to relate to you today another one of those one another's. And this one is serving one another. And when I say serve, this is a, not a diversion, but a, let's, are we awake and thinking this morning? When I ask you if, to describe what serve means to you, what, is it, what comes to mind? We have people asking for volunteers to come serve at the church. When I was meeting with our growth group this week. Uh, when I mentioned serve, someone says you want gravy on your potatoes. So what comes to your mind with regards to serve? Well, what, one of the first things that came to my mind was serving when I was eight years old, picking strawberries over in the Green River Valley, a wet climate, being down on my knees, now, eight, I wasn't nearly as tall at eight years old, but I was still uncomfortable being on my knees for six or eight hours a day with my knees in squishy strawberries, wet leaves, and it was just not the way I wanted, that I pictured serving might be. However, there have been times in my career that I felt really good about serving. As a university professor, I just was enamored with the students who would flourish under mentoring them to be not just well-educated, but also to be good people doing the right things at the right time. That was exciting to see people go from you, you young people who are 16, 17, and thinking seriously about your college, or even younger perhaps, find the right people to teach you while you're there. They're mentoring not just for the education, but for the the way of life is very important. So picture those things of service in your mind as we go through this today. So slide one, please. This is the verse that we're gonna start with, and it is found in the book of Galatians, so please turn to that. So you go through the Gospels, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and then you get into these letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he had established over the years on his missionary journeys. Okay, I'm gonna read the entire chapter to you and then we'll go back to this verse that is midway, okay, it's verse 13 out of 26, so it's in the middle and it seems really a little bit, Paul sometimes is very confusing. But if you see his point in the end and then go back, you can see why he developed things the way he did. So Galatians 5.13, the verse we're going to focus on through the lesson today, for you were called to freedom, brothers. It was great to see some of the songs we were singing this morning because it talks about not only God's grace, but the freedom that we have. For you were called to freedom, brothers, and parenthetically, sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So if you dissect this set of verses, the primary one we're looking at today is serve one another, but if you go before that, you talk about freedom. So we're gonna talk about freedom. Freedom for what? Not to do bad or things of the flesh, but in love, 
serving one another, and fulfilling the law. So let's go back to the first verse, chapter 5, verse 1, and I'll read this entire chapter to you. I need some adhesive on this thing there. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say if you accept, did I turn it off or something? Oh, okay. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit of faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would, be, would emasculate themselves. That's a little coarse, but we'll talk about that later. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Emphasis there, okay? You see that he's got two things going on. He's got from in freedom not to do things of the flesh, but to do things of the Spirit. And that if you're doing things of the flesh, it's keeping you from doing things that you want to do, presumably good. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So he enumerates them here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sex, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Spirit of the fruit excuse me, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we then live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul starts out, he says, you've got freedom. Verse 1, you've got freedom. Then he gives you some examples of uh, we're supposed to serve in love. And then he goes through and describes if you're doing these things, and you can look at that list and say, well, I don't do those things. I do, 
I do these, but they're not on that list, so I just do these things over here that aren't good. Or conversely, later on, then he talks about these things that are good done in the Spirit. So that's the way we're going to go today. We're going to, I'm going to try to lead you through a discussion of how this all fits together. Okay, slide two, please. Okay, the issue here is circumcision. Someone, okay, let me back up just a touch. We get distracted in our lives by a lot of events. We get deceived by people at times. They tell us stuff that just isn't true. And Paul's bringing to the Galatian church a message saying, you're being deceived by someone. You're being led astray. You're being distracted from what I've told you before. So he starts out in verse 1. He says, you have freedom in Christ. You're set free. Stand firm then and don't submit to the yoke of slavery. What is the yoke of slavery? That's the law. That's the rituals, the rules that the Pharisees, in the case of of the New Testament, the Pharisees have put to you, but other religious leaders in the Old Testament, as they built upon the laws. Okay, what we're going to talk about today in circumcision isn't really a law, it's a ritual, but the general emphasis that we have here in Galatians is not just the ritual of circumcision, that's used as the headline, if you will, because it's a very obvious thing, but the inference is that this is the effect of the whole law, of which there's a multitude of those. So Paul says, I don't want you to be under that law. I want you to have the freedom in Christ. So Paul says, so if I accept circumcision, Christ is no advantage. If you accept circumcision, it's of no advantage. Let's go back and look now at what circum- where circumcision started, at least with the Jewish population. There are references to circumcision in other ancient cultures also, back to Egypt and elsewhere. But let's look, let's go to Galatians chapter 17 and look at the introduction of circumcision. I'm sorry, what did I say? Genesis chapter 17. Thank you. Genesis 17. Verse 9, I've got verse 10 down here, but verse, let's go with verse 9, Genesis 17, verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised of the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So this practice of circumcision is to be used as a sign of the covenant between Abraham, when it was given to him, his name was Abram, between Abraham, his offspring, and subsequently the nation of Israel. So that's where where it begins. We'll come back to that in a little bit. 
Now, I want to liken this a little bit to today, trying to bring in some relevance. How many of you have tattoos? <laughs> you probably won't want to admit it if you do have tattoos. We use, a lot of people use tattoos. I don't know the reason why, but I'm amazed on the football teams and stuff, all the tattoos. They've got to represent something, right? Uh, there are people who have tattoos on places that you don't normally see. But it reminds them of something that they believe in. Or some goofy thing, I don't know. Circumcision was not something that was readily visible to the general population. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, it might have been if you were participating in gymnasium or something in Rome, or where they did their activities naked, but uh, this is not something that really stands out in the general population. So its purpose was not to show everybody that I'm a Jewish boy. This was to remind them that they were Jewish. Or better yet, not even Jewish, but that they were of the house of God, that they believed in the God of Israel, in Yahweh. Okay, so this is a personal reminder to them of who they should be related to their relationship with God. So if you've got a tattoo, it's okay. I don't care. But just think about that when you're wearing the Green Bay Packers hat. Oh, Ed's not here today. Oh, Ed. Okay, if you're wearing a Green Bay Packers hat, you can think about that. That's true belief. Ed's a Viking fan, so we've got to bring that up. So, let me put another perspective on this. Today, we are under regulations of COVID-19. That's why we're wearing masks. That's why we're sitting the way we are in the church. That's why we can't have all our fellowship here, that some of, some of our fellowship is on YouTube this morning, listening in, hopefully. Hi, Pastor Logan. I know he's there. Uh, we're under these restrictions in COVID-19. Do they make you feel uncomfortable? They make you want to go back the way things used to be? Some, what are these regulations for? They're developed by virologists to keep us from getting the disease. So we're supposed to sit six feet apart. We're supposed to wear masks. We're supposed to wash our hands and use hand sanitizer. We're supposed to spray these chairs. We're supposed to disinfect the place. Hopefully, in a couple of years, we're going to look back and then say, oh, we made it through without a whole lot of lost life. We made it through without getting sick. But there's a lot of people who have gotten sick, and there's an awful lot of people who have died nationally and internationally. And what I want to try to liken this to, all analogies have problems, so don't, don't hold me. To, give me a little bit of grace here, huh? like the song says. Okay, give me some grace with it. You can pick points in my analogy that will fall apart at some point. But this, this is like protecting us from sin. This is a disease. COVID-19 is a viral disease that causes respiratory problems. We have sin in our lives that make us sick. But we have a solution to that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. In the case of COVID-19, what if a virologist come to us or somebody from one of the big drug companies comes to us and say, I have a vaccine, it's 100% effective, you only have to take it once, 
It'll cure you of this disease. You'll never have this disease. There are some people in this country who'll say, well, I don't, no, I don't take vaccines. I don't want to do that. So this virologist comes along after you make that statement and he says, okay, but you have to do this too. You have to, you can do, you don't have to do the six feet thing, but you do have to still wear your mask. Okay, you've got a complete immunity from the disease, you still have to wear your mask. That's what these people in Galatia were hearing from someone. Paul says someone. We don't know who it is. No doubt it was a Judaizer, which is a, a person that at least knows enough about the Jewish background that they favor some of the circumstances, such as circumcision, some of the rituals. So he is saying, you must be circumcised. So it would be like being free from COVID virus, and then someone comes along next week and says, oh, but you still have to wear your mask. Someone has changed the rules, because if you go back in Paul's earlier writings, and he says, well, we just go back to Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 4 and look at that. If Paul has told them that they don't have to do that before, you are free from those things. Someone comes in and tells them now that you have to be circumcised. Two things. Okay, Keegan, you play baseball. You love baseball. Okay, now you, I know there's lots of rules in baseball. Now, halfway through the game, someone changes the main rule, and that is you don't have to wait for the pitcher to pitch the ball. You can just run, steal a base. No, 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 no. I have to be able to do my wind-up. I have to be on, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know baseball well enough to give too good an example, maybe. Someone's changing the rules in the middle of the game here. How, is, how are people being saved in the early church through faith? You can go to Hebrews and look at that. Okay, now someone comes along and says, oh, but you must follow these rules. So, we've got all the way to verse 1 in chapter 5 of Galatians. Paul says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, don't submit again to this yoke of slavery. Don't pay attention to this guy. Who is doing this? So we get, move on down through there. Um, let me get to my notes so I don't get all confused here. For in Christ Jesus, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So Paul now admonishes them. He gives them credit. He's telling them, he's encouraging them. In verse 7, you were running well. You were doing well. You had your baseball game going good. It was 6-0. Now someone changes the rule and you're going to be falling behind because someone has given a new set of rules. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? That persuasion is not from him who calls you. It's not from God. It's not the lesson that I gave you in times past. So he's, he's coming, he's writing this letter to Galatia where he'd been at the church years previously. Now he's, and then in verse 9 he says, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Well, that's another one of Paul's things where he, 
at least from my perspective, you just stick something in here. What on earth? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Well, you got one rule. Okay, let's just do circumcision. Okay, so now all the males in the church are circumcised. Next week, this guy comes back. Oh, and by the way, you must ABC. The following week comes back, another one, DEF. So what Paul's saying is here, if you accept the circumcision, what's going to be next week? A little bit of leaven, a little bit of untruth leads to the whole thing being contaminated. Okay? Now, most of you guys probably don't make bread, uh, so the women have a better thought pattern going through when you think about that. But, but a little bit of untruth contaminates all the message. And then he goes into, if I still preach, well, Paul was being castigated by the Jews for saying circumcision wasn't necessary, so he just refers to that. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So they were persecuting him because he was preaching the cross, not circumcision, not Jewish law. I wish those who were unsettling, who unsettle you, would emasculate themselves. Now that's really gross, but that was a practice in some cults in those days that if you were going to be a priest in the temple or whatever, that that was a, a practice. Other interpretations of this means Paul was saying they need to be removed from the church. So just think about this. This is a very serious thing. You, you can't go messing with the message. You have to leave it as I have taught you, as God has brought it and has how the Holy Spirit has instilled that in your life. Okay, now the verse that is the main verse for this week. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom. Okay, so we got the freedom thing taken care of, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So Paul's divided this into three parts in my mind. The first part is talking about freedom from circumcision and all the other laws. The second part is don't use this freedom for the flesh. And the third part will be use it for service through the Spirit. Why not? Okay, why not use your freedom for an opportunity of the flesh? For the whole law is fulfilled in, uh, let's skip down, no. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite one another, devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now, I don't know if Pastor Logan is going to talk about being consumed by one another. That seems like a rather negative kind of a sermon to give, but I'll leave that up to him. But Paul is again saying here that you can do good, or you can do bad. Don't use your freedom that you now hopefully understand. Don't use that freedom to do bad things because you may be consumed by one another. And the picture you have there is when you watch some of these wildlife shows on TV and you see the wolves attacking some poor animal. Or you see two bull elk attacking each other in the rutting season until one kills the other. That's the picture that I get when I hear that, when I see those words. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Getting a little dry. 
Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this part of the text now is talking about not gratifying... I'm going to baptize the podium there. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Again, that picture of a dichotomy between two, the good and the bad. The flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things you want to do. So the desires of the flesh not only are bad in of themselves, but they are keeping you from doing good things. So we talk about multitasking today. <clears throat> Some people say that's nonsense. You can't multitask and do anything good, anything well. You have to focus your attention. And I think that's what Paul's bringing to us here in this letter. He's saying focus. Focus on your freedom and your freedom to do good. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. And you can plug in there things that you have trouble with. If you say, I don't have any sin, then that's another lesson we need to bring and talk about. But substitute in this section those things that you struggle with. Things of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before. So this isn't the first time. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the primary... Oh, boy. On the right slide. Slide three. Okay. Okay. I'm not following my outline or my slides very well, folks, so I'm a little out of practice here. Hang with me. Okay, when we are given freedom in Christ, we are also elevated. We are also, our, our status is elevated. Turn back just a page or so to Galatians 4. And we'll read verses, well, let's go to verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 5. <laughs> I'll go back to 4. 4 verse 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, that's when God sent his son, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Daddy is where that Greek word translates into our language today. So you are no longer a slave to the law, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. 
So we have freedom. Our status has been elevated to that as a son of the living God. And our task then in verse 14 is to come in Galatians 5, in verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Matthew chapter 22, verse 7, verse 37, excuse me. When Christ was asked by the Pharisees, what is the most important law? What did he say? You don't have to verbalize it, but think about it. What, did, what was he told? What were the Pharisees told? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. Now let me digress just a minute to go back to the circumcision story. Okay? Circumcision was, as we just read earlier, in Genesis. Let's go back to that same chapter, Genesis chapter 17. And look at what God's intent was. Instead of starting at 9 or 10, let's go back to verse 1. Chapter 1 of chapter, or verse 1 of chapter 17. When Abram, who became Abraham, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and multiply you greatly. So this obviously precedes verse 9 and 10 where he talks about the covenant, what the sign is. The sign is circumcision. The sign to those who are participating at least. But God wants Abram to walk with him. Now let's look at some other places where God talks about circumcision and think about the difference in these verses. So we're going to go to Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, okay? Leviticus, okay. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 40 through 42. We're talking about circumcision here again. Now, this, is the, this is the part that we're talking about, the Holy Spirit and following the Spirit. Okay? So I want you to contrast Genesis 17.10, the giving of circumcision, as a sign to these men. Starting in verse 40 in Leviticus 26. But if they confess their iniquity 
and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me and also walking contrary to me. So they're doing different than what Abraham was supposed to walk after God so that I walk contrary to them. So they walk contrary to God. So God said, I walk contrary to them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. You see the subtle difference there? Okay. If they don't have a heart of walking with God, they have, then they are uncircum, have an uncircumcised heart. So slightly different, okay? I'll try and clarify that in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Starting at verse 12, and now Israel, okay, Israel became a nation after Abraham. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Why is he given these things? It's for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and heaven of heavens, the earth with all that it's in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offsprings after them, you above all people, as you are this day. Then the key verse, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. So God's focus is not on circumcision of the body, but on circumcision of the heart. Abram was walking with God. He wanted, God wanted Abraham to continue to walk with him. That's why he was chosen. And his people were chosen, and he gave them a sign for the men of being circumcised. Then I want to go to one more place, because it's not just for the Israelites. And that's clear back. I'll just read it for you. Clear back in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Verse 25. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Oh. I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Who are those? Egypt, Judah, Edom, sons of Ammon, Moab, and all those who dwell in the desert who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in their heart. So God's point, of the, God's point is that circumcision needs to be more than just something physical. It needs to be something that has to do with our inward feeling, our heart attitude towards God. And Paul's trying to convey that here to these people in Galatia.
Okay, and then back to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so we went through that list. When, when you, Spirit, I like to think of that as, that's my heart, because that's where the Spirit is. The Spirit isn't my heart. That's my, that's my emotional center. That's my, how do I feel about God? How, do I really know God? I got this part up here, but it's if without this feeling in my heart, then this just becomes academic. So then he goes on and says, "Okay, what do we do about this?" I say, "Don't do these negative things, but what about the what should I be doing?" Oftentimes as an instructor at college, I found myself saying telling people all about stuff and someone might raise their hand and say, "Okay, that's nice, but how do I do that?" Or what do I do with that? Verse 22, Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If, and that if means presuming you are a believer, we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Keep in step with the Spirit. Now, what does this have to do with serve? <laughs> I've gone through a whole lot of information here. What does that have to do with serve? Okay, I got the right slide. Up. You got the right slide for me. Thank you. What are we going to do with this? <clears throat> If you're going to serve, you must serve on a daily basis. Well, I don't have time to do that. I've got work to do. I've got a job. I've got to go to class. I've got to do all these things. I've got my rules and my regulations. I've got my system. I've got my sequence of events that occurs every day. Okay? That's why COVID is such a problem for us. It messes with our schedule. It messes with our lifestyle. It makes us do things we don't want to do. We are under regulations. We are under the law. So I don't look at serve in a way that interferes with anything in our lives. But matter, as a matter of fact, we should emphasize these, our serve by our attitude. Our attitude is an attitude of love because God has been merciful to us and it's our outward sign of what we believe. Now, I'm trying to tie a few of these things together. Remember the tattoo thing? Okay. Remember the circumcision thing? Well, the tattoos can be covered up. Not everybody can necessarily see those. You can see my Green Bay Packers t-shirt if I'm wearing that. Sorry, Ed. But in this case, these things that are in our heart are manifested if we are full of the Spirit and the Spirit has led us 
to produce fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so, Marsh and I were watching a movie last night. It had to do with a pear orchard. Most disgusting pear orchard I've ever seen. <clears throat> there was a fruit here, and a fruit there, and a fruit here. And as those of you who know me, I'm an agriculturist, and I, there ain't no money in that orchard. Uh, the fruit, plural, are our sign to the world of who we are and who we represent. We will achieve a harvest of bringing others to Christ if we exemplify these fruit in our life. And I contend that this is our service. So what is our service? If you love your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, the parents you're taking care of, if you as children obey your parents, let's look at some, well, we're not going to take time to, I don't know what my time is, frankly, but uh, let me just give you some verses to support this concept, okay? The book of Ephesians, another book written by Paul. Ephesians chapter 5 is a great book, and I know that we have discussed that here. Uh, Pastor Brad brought that to us, and others I'm sure have in classes. In Ephesians chapter 5, so that's the next book, we can look at how to serve. Chapter, so I'm going to go a little bit deeper into chapter 5 to make that the introduction. Chapter 5, verse 15, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, a good thing about walking is you watch where you're going. If you need a cane to help you walk, that's okay, but you still got to watch. Be focused. Okay, you're out in the woods. You're walking around. I hear my buddies talk about hunting. They're out walking around, and then they sit down for a while, and all of a sudden they feel something breathing on their neck. They've got to watch constantly. Okay, so look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, what does that feed back to? That feeds back to verses such as 522. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Is that showing love? Is that showing respect? Is that showing trust? Is that, do you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life if you're a wife following these instructions? Verse 25, husbands, love your wife. It doesn't say if, it just says husbands love your wives. If you have the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first fruit of the Spirit that's listed? Love. Then patience. Then kindness. If you demonstrate those things in your life, then you are filled with the Spirit. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children. Don't want to leave anybody out. Your children, what are you supposed to do? Any of you know what that verse says? Obey your parents. Okay? Now, the next verse on there, I gave them the wrong numbers. It's not 12 through 14. That's, that's 1 through 4. Okay? Honor your father and mother. 
Now that not only applies to children, it applies to us if our parents are still alive. We still need to respect them. Fathers, do not, well, verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Have you ever made one of your kids mad by your instruction? Yeah, I did. We talked about it. Okay, we make mistakes. So we need to love our wives, love our husbands, love our children. Our children need to turn around and respect the parents and obey them. And then we go back to chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 13, and we need to love one another. That's the church body Paul's talking to. And then we go back to Matthew, chapter 22. Who do we love there? Everybody. That's the greatest commandment. So that, that is what we need to do. Now, how do we do that? We do that, our first step is by becoming a believer in Christ. Like I've talked about before with, with COVID-19, if someone came up with a vaccine that was 100% effective, you take it once, you're done with it, everybody gets it, so nobody has to worry anymore. We have an opportunity to be free from the slavery of the law, from the sin that so easily besets us, because God sent his son, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that we might not perish but have everlasting life. Unlike the vaccine that people are trying to develop, it's effective against one disease. Might be by accident it'll help something else, but Christ died for all of our sins. Last slide, please. Okay. I want to close with these couple of verses. Like circumcision was an inward, a concealed thing, but had inward meaning to the Jews, we, unlike that, we want ours to be visible to all those around us, whether it's our office workers, our kids, our parents, uh, the people we meet on the street and have coffee with. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is our outward sign of a walk with God that demonstrates our allegiance to him for what he has done for us. The mercy that he showed us is so that we can have love for one another. In Romans 13, 8, we know, oh, oh no one anything except to love one another, love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the whole law. So our key verse, Galatians 5.13, you were called for freedom. You're free, but don't use your freedom for an opportunity to do bad things. Use it as an opportunity to do good things, and that is primarily to serve one another with an attitude of love. I hope that this has been at least interesting to you today. I hope that you will use it. If you have not started the journey, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ, or you feel like 
okay, I know I believed once, but I really don't feel it in my heart. It's not part of my heart. Come talk to me afterwards, or any number of, of people here will be glad to help you with that. But that's the beginning of the journey that is outward, an outward sign to our community of who we are and who we believe in. Okay, let me say a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that this uh, scripture will renew our hearts <coughs> and our relationship to you, that it will stimulate us to move forward in loving one another and serving one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.